Welcome to the Grace Harbor Church Sermon Podcast. Grace Harbor Church is located in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information, visit our website at ghokc.com. This morning's scripture is 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It's on page 965 in the uh, Bibles in the seats there. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifest in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe, and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. This is God's word. You may be seated. It is awesome to be with you guys this morning. Uh, it really is a joy and, uh, and a privilege, and I am so very thankful uh, for Nathan allowing me to be here, and uh, it's been good. We've had, a, we've had a good weekend. We've had a good time together, uh, and, uh, and I'm glad that, that we can worship this morning uh, together as brothers and sisters in Christ. He introduced Jessica uh, earlier, I'm trying to locate, there we go, and uh, and, and we have seven children. Uh, that, that was the gaggle. Kennedy, Cooper, Delaney, Wyatt, Avery, Knox, Hattie. 
Uh, Kennedy is 17, uh, going on 42 or something like that. And uh, starting her senior year of high school, she's getting life all figured out, and, and we're thankful for that. We go from there all the way to three. Hattie is three. She turned three in July. She runs everything, and so uh, that's how it works. We have girl boy, girl boy, girl boy, girl, uh, just like we planned, and uh, and it's it's been fantastic. We we do the we, we homeschool. We've homeschooled for forever. Uh, we do classical conversations. It's and that's 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 just that's who we are, and that's what we do. And God's taken really good care of us over the last few years, and uh, we're we're very very blessed with our, our children and, uh, and with this ministry that God has called us to. Um, just a little bit about me. Grew up in Arkansas. Uh, I am an Arkansan. I am a Razorback and all of those things. Uh, and yet God in his goodness chose to move us to Mississippi just over five years ago. And, uh, and, it's, and life is different across that river. I'm telling you what. It's, um, you don't really realize how different it is, but it is. Uh, and, uh, and we've had the privilege of being there, of getting to know people, uh, we're now in the process of planning a church. We started in a March meeting. Uh, we've got a great group of people. There's about 40 to 50 that, that have gathered with us. And uh, we spent the first few months kind of figuring out who we are and, and where we desire to be and what God's calling us to do and figuring out all those things polity-wise, church organization-wise. And now it's kind of really time to, to get going and get started uh, ministering to the people in our community and in our area. And so we, we're, we're beginning that really in earnest this, this fall and looking forward to that and praying that God would bless our efforts as we, as we reach people uh, from every tribe, tongue, and nation right there in, in Laurel. Uh, our church is, is right on the tracks, uh, like literally. I mean, the train tracks you could see from our front door. And, uh, and, and we, we have a, an opportunity to, to minister the gospel to a lot of people. Just a couple weeks ago, when I was there last, uh, we had a, a man walk in our doors uh, who's been on the streets for 40 years. And, and as you can imagine, he looked like somebody who'd been on the streets for 40 years. And we had the opportunity to share the gospel with him, to, to minister to him, and then uh, get him a place to stay for the night to just kind of bathe and, and find shelter and have some food. And, and that's where we are. That's, uh, that's kind of the, the environment that we're in. And, uh, and we hope that uh, that's not just a, a first time or last time, but that's something that we get to do a lot because, as you guys probably know, being here in a, in a major city, uh, there are folks uh, like that all over, and they need Christ because the gospel is the only thing that can save people from their sins and rescue them from 40, li- 40 years of living on the streets and being addicted to every drug imaginable and all the other stuff that, that comes with that. Uh, this is why we preach. This is why we do what we do, because we are assured that the gospel is the power of God and to salvation to everyone who believes. And so this is, this is why we plant churches in places where people may say, well, aren't there tons of churches? Yeah, but there needs to be more churches, because there need to be healthy, healthy, vibrant churches who preach the gospel, who make disciples of Christ, and who send people out to keep doing this. Because this is the means by which God has given to his people to see folks brought to Christ, to see folks rescued, to see folks discipled. It's the church. It's through the church the manifold wisdom of God is made known uh, to everyone, and even in the heavenly places. And so this is why we do this ministry. And it's our prayer that God would continue allowing us to do this ministry as, as long as he would see fit. Because, yes... We enjoy being in, in Mississippi and planting churches there, but our desire as a family, we really feel God has called us to do this 
repeatedly. And so once we get everything going and once we see that, that there's, a, there's a possibility for organization, we have elders that we can turn this work over to, our prayer is that he would allow us to go and do it in other places. Wherever that may be, uh, we're open to and willing to go because we feel that this is something that must be done uh, all over in North America and around the world. And so we're going to give our lives to that, Lord willing, till, till he calls us home. And so that's, that's what we feel because uh, this mission that we have... Uh, this, this work that we have, as we read in the scriptures, this is something that's been gifted to us by God. And we stand, we stand in the long line of tradition of people who have given their hearts and minds and lives to this work. Uh, we, love, we love missionary biographies at our house. We, we like read alouds. And one of the things we love reading aloud is, is missionary biographies. And, uh, and if you've ever read a missionary biography, they're life-changing. I mean, they really are. I love biographies in general, but missionary biographies are some of my favorites because you read about, especially, especially kind of those first uh, missionaries giving their lives to the modern mission movement, you, you read these things, and it's, it's hard to, to not read about their lives and, and one, be grateful for, <laughs> for the ease that we have, but two, to also see when they made the sacrifice to, to, to go do missionary missions, this wasn't, this wasn't anything like we think of it today. I mean, they were, they were literally giving their lives to go. Uh, one of my first ones that I read was um, the, the biography of John G. Patton. John G. Patton was uh, a minister in Scotland who gave up a very successful ministry there to go and be a missionary to the New Hebrides Islands outside of Australia, New Zealand, and in that area in the, in the Pacific. And uh, a man came to him when he announced that the, he was doing this, and, and his name was Mr. Dixon. And, and Mr. Dixon was, was very alarmed by, by Mr. Patton's decision to do this. And he warned him that the people he was going to were cannibals, and that it was, it was senseless to, to go and try to minister to these people. And here was Patton's response. Mr. Dixon, you are advanced in years now, and your own prospect is sure to be laid in the grave, there to be eaten by worms. I confess to you that if I can but live and die serving and honoring the Lord Jesus, it will make no difference to me whether I'm eaten by cannibals or by worms. And that's exactly what Patton did. He went to the New Hebrides Islands and he labored in life and in death to minister to the people there. And by God's grace, many were converted under his ministry. Or maybe... Maybe you've read the story of C.T. Studd. C.T. Studd was a missionary from England who, in his day, was, believe it or not, the, the, the LeBron James of cricket players. Uh, there, was, there was nobody better on the cricket pitch, sure, than, than C.T. Studd. He was, I guess, his name. He was a stud. He was it. He was Mr. Cricket. And uh, I'm sure there's a huge cricket following here in Oklahoma, so you know that. And, uh, and C.T. gave that up to, to go to the mission field, to, to, become, to become a servant of Christ. And his motto in ministry was this, Some want to live within the sound of church or chapel. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. That was his philosophy in ministry. That's why he went to places like India for so many years. And in the later half of his ministry, he spent in the Congo in places where they said, you can't minister the gospel here. And C.T. Studd said, yes, we can, and we will. And he did. These are the, the shoulders of the people we stand on as believers. 
This has been the tradition handed down to us that this is how much we trust in this glorious gospel that we'll go to cannibals, we'll go to the deepest places on earth to minister this gospel because we trust that it has the power to do exactly what God has promised it will do. And so my encouragement to you this morning is that in doing this, we don't lose heart. Paul repeats that twice in the text that we read, 2 Corinthians 4. He begins this section with it. He ends it with it. It's it's bracketed with these words, do not lose heart. Because he knows in his own experience, just like we know today, that this is the thing that we struggle with the most. We, We know of the legacy that we've been given. We know of the heritage that God has passed on to us church to church, believer to believer. And we trust in the gospel to do exactly what the gospel can and will do. But it's hard. It's hard. In our own day and age, all of the the things that have happened, I mean, coming out of, of COVID and all the issues that have happened to the church in and through COVID, the churches that have shut their doors, the ministers who have left the ministry, all the things that have happened because of the last 18 months to two years or however long now it's been since, since even just that one instance. And, and you take that all with the, the postmodern mindset of people and the anti-authoritarian age that we live in. And, and it's really, really hard. The skepticism of our day is so, so tangible that you, anywhere you go and you, you try to share the gospel, it seems like everyone's a critic. Everyone's a cynic. How do you minister truth to people that don't believe in truth? And yet we believe still that God can change the most cynical of minds and hearts with the truth of God's word. And so we do not lose heart. The first thing that that Paul uses to say, this is why we don't lose heart, or this is how we can do this ministry without losing heart here in in this chapter, is because of the ministry that we have. He says, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Well, what what ministry is Paul referencing there? What is this ministry? And, and, And this ministry is the ministry of the new covenant, the ministry of the new covenant. And that's recognized in the previous chapter, beginning in verse 4, when he says, Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who's made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. What is the first reason why we can be confident and not lose heart in what God has called us to do as believers, as as churches? is because we get to minister a better gospel and a better promise than that's ever been offered before. I mean, here's the thing. If we're trying to minister to people today and all we have is the law, all we have is, is, is some preaching that's, you know, you just need to do better with your life. You know, you just gotta try harder you know, I mean, if that's what we're ministering, that, that's not very good. I mean, it really, it's not. 
And that's why preaching moralism or any of those things just, just for the sake of preaching that or because we think that we're helping people along, that's why it's so empty, right? I mean, that's why it's so terrible because if, if, if our preaching is just have a better attitude, maybe, maybe try to live your best life this way, if that's what we're ministering, that's, that's terrible. I mean, all that's going to do is just weigh people down even more. If you just, if you just were ministering a, a gospel that's just legalism, or even just a gospel that's antinomian is one of those two things. Nah, don't worry about it. Eat, drink, be happy. God loves you the way you are. Or, or, or if you're ministering that, that heavy-handed, weighty, kind of legalistic gospel, th- those things can't do anything for people. It's either going to mislead them down a path of hopelessness, of emptiness, or it's going gonna, it's gonna to collapse on their heads as Bunyan depicts in his Wonderful book, Pilgrim's Progress. It's all going to come tumbling down upon them if they're trying to live by, by morality alone. No, no, no. Paul says, here's what we get to do. We get to minister the new covenant. We get to minister the Spirit of God coming into hearts and minds and changing them through the power of the preached gospel because of the hope of the resurrected Jesus. That's what we get to preach to people. That's why we can be confident in what we get to do because we have a gospel, we have a covenant that's better than anything before it. Christ has come in the fullness of time to fulfill all that the old covenant was preparing us for. He he is the, the, the picture in full of the shadows and promises previously made. That in Him the hope of, of everlasting life is fulfilled because He died, because He went to the grave, because of what He accomplished on our behalf in and through Himself. This is what we get to preach. This new covenant, this this reality of the gospel fulfilled, that promise in Genesis 3.15 when God said to the serpent, I will bruise your head and the seed of the woman will bruise your head and and you will crush his heel, that the fulfillment of that covenant of grace is fulfilled in and through the work of Christ and that's what we get to preach. That's what we get to tell people about. That's what we get to say. Therefore, we should never lose heart. Because that message and that message alone is worth everything because it can change hearts and minds. And so that's what we preach. And Paul says, even though we're being accused of of doing something different, we stick to that message. He says, but we've renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. You see, Paul himself was accused of preaching a false gospel. He was accused of that in this very place of Corinth. The Judaizers and many others said, no, 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 Paul's gospel isn't sufficient. Nah, we like Jesus. We're with him on on some of the Jesus stuff, but if you don't adopt the law, if you don't do certain things, you're really not believers, as, as Paul would like you to think. But Paul says, no, no, no. We haven't misrepresented ourselves. We haven't misrepresented the truth. No, we have given the truth exactly like it was given to us through Christ and through the ministry of the apostles of whom I am one of. This is the truth. 
This is what we must preach. This is what one must believe to be saved. These are the things that we value and these are the things that we hold dear. We're not manipulating anyone. We're not misrepresenting anything. This is what the gospel is. Now today, when we hear these words, we think of other people preaching false gospels. And surely, it is our responsibility to make it clear what the gospel is and what it is not. And it's our responsibility not to find other means by which people are putting their hope in, but staying consistent to the preaching of the word of God as given to us in the Holy Scriptures, we stay committed to this gospel. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Here's the hard thing. The hard thing is back in the garden when that promise of salvation came by God to Adam and Eve. The the problem is this, is that when Adam and Eve sinned, which made that promise necessary or the covenant of grace necessary, in that moment when, when our federal head, Adam, did not follow the words given to him by God, but instead, through Eve and himself, ignored their king, ignored their ruler. They rejected God's ruler, rulership over them, and they said instead, we're going to listen to the serpent. Because he listened to the serpent, now we also listen to the serpent more than we realize. And and not only does here say that it's the God of this world who's blinded the minds of unbelievers, but but Paul says in Ephesians when he calls us sons and daughters of, of wrath, children of the devil, essentially, this is our big problem is that our allegiance is not naturally to God, our creator and sustainer and maker. Our allegiance naturally is to the deceiver. Our allegiance naturally is to the one who pretends to be capable of fulfilling our needs when only thing he's capable of is death and destruction. And so we have to preach this gospel because... This gospel is the only thing that can alert blind eyes and deaf ears to their natural condemnation. And this goes for everyone everywhere. If the gospel is not preached to those who are perishing, then how will they ever be aware that they're perishing? If the gospel is not preached to to every man, woman, boy, and girl all over the world, how will they come to knowledge? You see, creation only testifies of the existence of God and of the necessity of of, of people to seek after Him. It's only in preaching the gospel that they can come to the understanding of the remedy to their sin. Because they've been blinded and they've been hardened and if simply left to their own devices, they remain 
in their sin. But the glorious gospel has the power to change hearts and minds, to open up all the avenues that God uses to bring people to faith in Himself through the declared Word. So we preach, so we teach, so we do all that we can so that the light shines out of the darkness because this is exactly what God does. He calls for light in the midst of darkness. He says, let there be light. And there was, and it was good. This is what he does through the proclamation of the gospel. He preaches, teaches, shines light in darkness. So, don't lose heart. Why? Because we have a glorious gospel. We have a life-changing gospel. We have a sin-defeating gospel. We have a Satan-crushing gospel. Preach that gospel. Trust that gospel. Take that gospel to the nations. Second, why do we have to be encouraged to not lose heart? Because even though we have a glorious gospel, we are so weak. We have this treasure in jars of clay. What makes this really hard? Us. Us. We, all of us, that's what makes it hard. Because we feel the pull to go or to do, but then we're, we're pulled in other directions, right? I, I'd love to go, but my, my family's here. I can't. It's too hard. I can't leave this. I can't, I can't risk not supporting seven kids and a wife. How do I, how do I manage that? I'm, I'm, I'm not able physically. I'm reflected in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Even in the midst of our weaknesses, God is constantly displaying the greatness of God. One one commentator summed up Paul's words there in 8 and 9 this way. He says, we're always at a loss, but never totally at a loss. We can feel so deficient, and yet God is constantly there saying, but I'm sufficient. Yes, you're deficient. Let's recognize that. Yes, you're deficient. You won't always have the answers to the questions that people may have for you but trust the gospel anyway. Yes, yes, there may be times when you will be heavily persecuted for this message, but preach Christ anyway. Because even in our weaknesses, what God is displaying is where the power belongs and who gets credit for doing the work of the gospel. That should cause us to not lose heart. It should encourage us. 
because we do, verse 10, always carry in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh, so death is at work in us, but life in you. I am of no belief that I'm going to live forever. I think I got over that somewhere in my early 30s around kid four or five. I think I even said like, okay, Lord, I am very much now willing to die. <laughs> previously, previously, I thought I was going to live forever. Like a hundred, that didn't seem like any big deal. Like, why not? Sure, a hundred, I can make that. Now it's like, if Lord, you want to call me home at 75, I think that's great. That seems like long enough. But there's also the reality that we know that we're not meant for this place for eternity. We're not. What's sown corruptible must be sown in corruption so that it can become incorruptible. 1 Corinthians 15. These are the realities of of our present situation. And Yes, I'm fiddling with the mic because that's what I do when I have to wear these things. So, it's another reminder, though, that in our weaknesses, this is why we preach Christ. This is why we believe these things, because we're simply stewards for the time that God has called us to this ministry. Church, you're not going to be who you are for forever, right? There's, 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 there's the one, the problems of of transiency where you're here for a moment and you're gone. Maybe the Lord has you here in this place for this time, but in five years you're out of here. And so, so there's that issue, right? That there's, there's transiency. There's the in and out. There's the, the moving and, and coming and going. But there's also just the realization that we ourselves are transient, that we ourselves are passing. We're not going to be here for forever. So we have to take advantage of the time that God has given us in the place where he has put us. He put us in South Mississippi. Let's take advantage of that and do everything that we can for the time that he's called us here. He's put you guys here in this place for this moment. Take advantage of it. Be stewards of it. Be responsible to do what you can while you can. Because simultaneously, you have to be training up the next generation to take over the work. Because it happens generation by generation, family to family, constantly teaching others to do what God has called us to do because we're not here for forever so we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written I believed and so I spoke we also believe and so we also speak taking the words of the psalmist that tells us that it's merely our time to, from the overflow of our hearts to say what we believe and what we know to be true because God has placed it in us to do this because we have the assurance that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. Verse 14, we have boldness, we have assurance because we serve a resurrected Savior. This is why the resurrection is so important, right? Is because if the one who raised Christ from the dead has promised to do the same for us and has in Christ, then we can do anything and everything, even if it costs us our lives. 
because he's overcome death. So that we don't even have to fear death. We don't even have to fear the thing that, that we fear the most because Christ has overcome that. So that we can still do risky things for the sake of Christ because he's alive. We serve a risen Savior. This is the joy of the resurrection so that we can risk it all as we do these things because we know that even our body they may kill. God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. Martin Luther. His kingdom is forever. They may kill us. We may be eaten by the cannibals. But what does it matter? Because we'll also be eaten by worms too. So don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Because thirdly, verse 16, we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Do not lose heart because day by day the Spirit of God is still working in and through you to will and to work God's good pleasure. Believer, He works in you every day. Even as you feel yourself getting older or things not working like you wish that they would or that they once did, it's okay. He's still renewing you each and every day. His mercies are new every morning. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. His mercies are new every morning. He sustains you every single day. Every day, every day you can go to him and say, give us this day our daily bread. And he says, no problem. You have it. My family and I have been in, in transition, it seems like, for a very long time. <laughs> At least a year and do you know that in that year, we've, we've never missed a meal? We've never not had a roof over our heads, a place to, to lay down and rest. Even as prices have gone up and inflation has occurred, we still have gas in our tanks, even though it's worth now more than ever, but food, all the rest of it. Because he supplies our needs. Every day. He gives us the mercies that we need. Every day. He renews us day in and day out by his spirit. Why should I ever lose heart for God who's never failed me? For God who's never once not proven himself faithful. Isn't that why Polycarp could stand before the Roman officials and say, 80 years, right? 80 years. He's been good to me. Why would I, why would I abandon him now? He renews us day in and day out. 
And this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. One of the great ways that God prepares us for glory is to show us that what we're experiencing now is what he has for us later. There's so much more to come. There's so much more to come that is worth more than anything this world has to offer us here and now. This is, this is simply temporary. Don't fix your eyes on the temporary. As we look to things that are seen, but not to things that are seen, but to things that are unseen. For things that are seen are transient. Things that are unseen are eternal. Look to the things that are eternal. Don't fix your eyes on what is passing, on what will ultimately burn away. Fix your eyes on Christ. Fix your eyes on what can never be taken away. Our last missionary example concerns five men. Nate Saint, Peter Fleming, Roger Uterin, Ed McCauley, and Jim Elliott. Who went to the, the people of Ecuador and who were told, you got to be careful. You never know what may happen. And yet it was Jim Elliot who said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And he meant it, didn't he? He meant it because his eyes were fixed on the unseen. His eyes were fixed on eternity. May we show the same courage, the same boldness, the same confidence in the glorious gospel that Christ has given us and not lose heart. Let's keep going. Let's keep making disciples. Let's keep planting churches. Let's go to the nations. Let's go wherever the Lord calls us to go. Let's go do this because we know that in Him we have an eternal weight of glory. We have Christ. And He is all we need. Heavenly Father, God, we thank You. We thank You for Your goodness and for Your love, for Your mercies how they are new every day, how they are abundant, how they're even more than we could ever think or ask for. And that ultimately, Father, we know that we have all we need because we have you. We have you. We have you in the person of the Son who lives in us. We have your Spirit who nourishes us. We have all that we need because we have you. Oh, Father, let it give us boldness and confidence. Father, I pray that this church would be encouraged and strengthened, that its pastors, its elders would be encouraged and strengthened to continue in this work and to, and to replicate and to go on and do it all over this city, all over this nation, all over the world for your glorious grace. Because you promised, you have promised us that you have a people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. You have promised us that your gospel will prevail. Therefore, Father, may we not lose Heart. And if there is anyone here this morning who has never, never confessed Christ as Savior and Lord, Father, may they realize 
their sin. May they realize their separation from you and may they realize that he is their only hope in life and in death. And may you, Father, bring them to saving faith this morning. We pray this all in Jesus' name.